you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey there, it's Roger. Thanks for tuning in again to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. In my last episode, my friend and fellow industry pro, Jamie Oikel of RunningRestaurants.com, and I fielded some very interesting questions from our restaurant audience. Now, this is episode two, where we're going to answer a few more key questions that can help you run your restaurant and really rock it out. But before I begin with this episode, I want to tell you about Upserve. Every once in a while, I come across a product or a service or software or something that I just believe will really help you rock your operation. So Upserve is the industry's largest cloud-based restaurant management system. Now anyone who knows me knows that I'm all about systems and efficiencies, so you really need to check out Upserve. With Upserve, every credit card swipe gives you vital information on your customer, their spending habits, whether they're first-timers or frequent visitors. It gives you menu data on your most popular dishes and what's really bringing your customers back again and again. How about server sales performance? That's super important. Well, Upserve gives you that information, as well as the return on investment from any event or promotion, and there's so much more that the product does, this software. So when you run a restaurant, you know, you just can't have too much information. So give yourself every advantage. Get a free demo by visiting upserve.com slash restaurant rockstars. That's spelled U-P-S-E-R-V-E dot com slash restaurant rockstars. Now on to today's podcast. Again, we're going to field some really interesting questions. Here's Jamie Oikel. Take it away, Jamie. Next question is uh, from, from David out of Syracuse, and he's talking about seating on a busy night. He says, um, uh, what is the magic formula of seating a restaurant on a busy night and not clogging up the kitchen line, which in turn uh, can make quality drop because they're rushing it out and people wait too long for their food, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. So that, that's a good question, and I'm, and I'm sure it's an issue that a lot of folks face. You obviously face it in your business of a high-volume, fast-paced business. Yeah. What, what can you share here? Well, you know, it all starts with that word reservation. If you own a restaurant, so many restaurants, the majority of restaurants out there take reservations. And I always wondered why that is. Maybe if you've got a five-star fine dining place with a white tablecloth and the white gloved waiters and all that kind of stuff, you need to do that. But if you have a family casual restaurant or a sports bar or just a, you know, just a nice place that people go out to eat, I always recommend, if at all possible, don't take reservations. Why? Because it doesn't allow you to maximize your table turns. And the key to making money in a restaurant is maximizing the number of people that you can seat in a given day part. If you're open for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or all three, obviously you want to put as many people as possible through the restaurant, keep those tables turning. Don't rush anyone, of course, but reservations slow everything down because it's rare that people show up on time. And I've seen so many restaurants, you know, that take reservations where there's an empty table sitting there sometimes for 20 minutes that could be sat, could be serving people, could be selling products that are just losing out to this thing called a reservation. So anyway, if you could possibly avoid it, I recommend you do. Let's get back to the question. Table service, I've always thought is like a choreographed fine dance, you know. It's like the audience is watching 
and, and your audience should never see anything that's out of control or missed. It should all look like everything is in control and people know what they're doing. And that's a function of training. And then it all comes down to communication and helping each other, backing each other up, because it's all about entertaining the customer. So you want to keep your guests informed. You want to keep them entertained. You want to keep them recognized. And that's what increases sales. And it's not just the server's job to do that. There are three critical functions that are all in charge of an efficient, exciting dining experience for the guests. You've got your host staff that greet the guests. You've got your bus staff that clear the tables. And obviously, you've got your wait staff and your servers. And all three of them need to communicate to make sure that if a table has just been cleared and it's ready to be set, if it's out of the host's eyesight, Busters are supposed to go up and say, okay, table two is clear, and just keep, it's like air traffic control. You know, everybody's doing it to make sure that guests are happy and that people are constantly being seated and reset, and that's one way to, to keep things rocking. And then it's also important for a host to fairly and efficient, efficiently rotate their tables in each section. So you don't want to keep slamming your servers if you just set five people for you know, for Ann over here, you don't, and the next customer comes in, you don't want to see Ann again. You want to see Jamie, you know, and obviously it's a, it's a rotation there, and that's pretty important. If you've got a wait list, you know, there's some pretty simple technology out there that keeps things moving, you know, those beeper pagers that you give to people. And also encourage them to go into the bar and have a drink while they're waiting. We used to have lines out the door all the time, and usually when there's a wait or a line, people get frustrated because everybody wants to be seated as soon as they walk into a restaurant. But we used to make the entire experience fun for them even while they were waiting for their tables. We kept them entertained. We gave them appetizer samples while they were waiting. We encouraged them to go into the bar and play trivia and play games while they're waiting for the table, and that kept things moving. So that all worked great. So, you know, again, servers need to be trained because timing of orders is important, too. It's, you know, when, when you take an order and you've got everything, you've got your appetizers, your entrees, and your drink orders, obviously you don't want to put those orders all in at the same time. You need to time them so you don't, one, slam the kitchen, and two, get everything up all at once because the last thing a customer wants is to be eating their salad, and two seconds later, there's their entree, and then two seconds later is the next thing, the next course. It all needs to be timed. And that's where an expediter comes in. An expediter is that person on the line that, that literally controls the food. He's the air traffic controller on your line. You know, he's telling the cooks when to fire certain entrees or certain appetizers, and then he's communicating with the servers and telling them when their food is up, and then he's even walking things to the table and helping the servers, backing them up. I mean, all of these things keep, uh, you know, a restaurant humming when there's lines out the door. You know, it's, it's fascinating. You hit on a ton of stuff right there, like just a, like a huge amount of parts of the business. But something that I wanted to um, share is I just started just started reading this book this week uh, that came in uh, called The Heart of Hospitality, and, and it yes. looks like it's going to be yep. a great read. And um, so. one of the things early on he talks about is, is as, as a, from a customer standpoint, um, we as a customer don't care about all that stuff, right? Because we, we don't. We're selfish. We just care about our experience. I don't care exactly. that there's a whole bunch of people in the kitchen. I kind of want my sequence to go good. I'm only thinking about mm -hmm. me. And and he shares the tip of yeah, the, the, you know, the, so so you need to the staff mentally needs to ha understand the customer's mindset and not look rushed or busy or all those things, but really focus on them as they come in to the experiment and and treat them like they're the only ones there and so forth. And it, it was a really neat tip in the way he, he started to talk about it. Uh, really made sense. Um, <clears throat> 
And so I thought that's good. So I'm looking forward to digging into that. But just that that piece of it can be so important. The experience you get from your your actual people that are attending to you, the people that thank you, that clean your table, that make it look effortless. I mean, that's what really makes um, the visit great. So good stuff there. Um, let's well, that's go where to, the teamwork uh, part comes in, Jim. You know, um, let me let me go back to that question really quick because you bring up another key concept. We used to call it the selling circle in our restaurant. And first of all, I have this pet peeve. You know, whenever I go out to eat and a host might seat me at a table, give me a menu, and then I'm sitting there, and minutes are going by. It could be five, eight, ten minutes, and I see servers passing me by on the left and the right. Nobody's making eye contact with me. I don't know who my server is. I don't even know if anybody knows that I am there. And I've always believed in the restaurant business that a customer wants to be recognized, acknowledged, and served. And so we had this two-minute rule. So no matter what you were doing, if you were sat a new customer and you always knew when you were sat because the communication was so strong, you had two minutes to approach a new table. And here's where multitasking comes in because you don't even have to stop at that table. You simply need to recognize the customer, introduce yourself by name, make eye contact and say, my name is Roger and I'll be your server tonight and I'll be right back to take your drink order or to tell you about what's great about the restaurant and you just keep on moving. And that puts the customer at ease. They've got time to look at the menu. So that's really the first piece of the selling circle, recognizing the customer immediately by name. And then next, you've got a section. It could be four tables. It could be six tables. Who knows, right? But when you're in your section, you need to anticipate what the customer's needs are and you need to ask them if they need something before they stop and slow you down when they stop and slow you down. So if you ask them, would you like another basket of bread? Can I bring you another glass of wine? You see that they need it, they'll say yes, and then you can handle it at your leisure as opposed to you've got five things to do. i got to be in the kitchen. i got to pick up my drink order over here. I've got to you know, go get my food on the line, whatever it is. It's like, no, you anticipate needs, and then you ask your team to back you up. You've got hosts and bussers and managers that are all part of the team. You ask for help. So that's part of it also. And that ensures that, you know, every guest is treated as the most important guest. You're not dropping balls, and then everyone has a great experience. So, you know, it all plays into the efficiency of seating and giving every customer a great experience, even though the place is slamming busy. And last, never let them see you sweat. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You know, you know that's 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 a for sure. And the thing that you said that you started off with there, um, that is everyone's most dreaded feeling. I know when you don't when you don't know if the, if they know you're there. You're sitting at the table for four minutes, and you're like, do I really need to get up and like confirm that someone knows I'm here? The worst feeling in the world. So do not let your customers oh my God, feel yeah. that. Do the two minute rule uh, or before. You know, say, you know, get them started. So that's a big one. Um, I, I appreciate that. Next thing I want to talk about is um, is tip outs. Okay, so and this, this is big for for the industry as, as a whole. And Bruce in New Jersey is dealing with this this question and trying to figure out a better way to do it. I'm going to kind of read the question because it gets into it. Um, so he says, currently we record tip in and tip outs manually. Each bartender and server has a page and a three ring binder. At the end of the shift, the manager records the credit card tips and calculates the mandatory tip outs to bartenders and bussers. The service can increase this amount. Uh, at the end of the week, an Excel spreadsheet is put together where the various tip-in and outs are summarized. He says, it seems like the whole process takes too much time. I'm looking for a system where the daily entry flows automatically to a summarized summarization program. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, just reading that um, hurt, hurt me, and I'm sure there's an easier way to do it, and I know you shared some tips with him. What, um, what do you see here? 
Well, you know, tip-out is always a contentious subject in every restaurant because no matter who you are, you know, whether you're a server, whether you're a bartender, whether you're a busser, any of the tipped personnel, nobody thinks they're getting a fair shake. They think the servers are making all the money and that, you know, and it depends because we've got generous servers, we've got not-so-generous servers, and in most restaurants it all starts with the server and then obviously it flows down from there. But the first thing, if you have a point-of-sale system, and you know, 99% of the full-serve restaurants out there right now should have a point-of-sale system, you can program that system for any amount of tip share so that, one, you know exactly how much um, you're, you're collecting in tips from each server based on their sales. And then you can assign a certain percentage that you deem to be fair that is agreed upon by your management team for the bar staff and your bus staff or anyone else that gets tips that comes out of that large percentage that the server collects. And then we used to keep a log, you know, and it wasn't anything fancy. It was basically a manual every single night, and it was good backup for the IRS in case there's ever an audit because it clearly shows, um, the, you know, the, the server's checkout slip at the end of the night, their cash out shows the amount of tips that you collected based on their, their sales. And then we also wrote in the log how that money got dispersed to who and at what station, whether it was the bartender, whether it was a host, whether a bus or whatnot. Okay, so that's the old school system. Again, I've been out of the business now for a couple of years, but I've got the answer that will automate this entire process. There is a company out there that I've done my due diligence on, and I think it's a great system, and it literally tracks tips, and it takes the whole situation out of the restaurant's hands and automates it with one simple app, and the company is called Gratrack, which is short for gratuity, so it's G-R-A-T-R-A-C-K.com, Gratrack.com. If you check out that website, they literally have a system that controls tipping in your restaurant, and it keeps you, most importantly, IRS compliant. If there's ever an audit, you've got the backup at the press of a button that shows, hey, I did things fairly to state or IRS standards, and here's the record. But best of all, you know, you plug in all the information, it runs right off your point of sale system, and now nobody can complain because it's based on the fair IRS percentage to each to each person depending on their position. So that's the best answer I can give. Yeah, that's cool. I think I, I wasn't aware of that company per se, but I think, yeah, with technology, either in the POS or, or an app like this, or, or I'm sure some other people provide that, the technology has to make this so much easier. So, yeah, I, I hate the idea of, a, of an owner spending uh, excess time. You know, Too much time, yeah. And, and spreadsheets There's so much yeah. more uh, to do with the business that is beyond that. So, um, uh, yeah, definitely thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You've you got to streamline, and that's one of the, one of the places to do it. Um, there's a question that came in about, um, uh, you know, state associations and how they help folks. And, you know, Clayton was asking about um, specifically the overtime rules that, that are going into effect in December and how that's going to impact folks and why aren't the associations perhaps doing more to defend the restaurants. And it's an interesting question, and you, uh, you have some, some, some knowledge from your past dealings yes, with state associations yes. and working with them. And how, how, maybe not specific to the rules and regulations about this particular overtime rule set, but how can yeah. restaurants work with their associations? What's the, what's, the, what's the thinking there? Well, you know, when I first started my restaurant 22 years ago, right off the bat I joined my state restaurant association because I knew that I had very limited experience in the business. I needed to give myself every advantage. And here were industry experts that I could call on with any question regarding my restaurant business. And if they didn't have the answer right away, 
they would research it, they would get back to me with a solid answer. That was one benefit. The most important thing is the State Restaurant Association literally is the rising tide that lifts all boats, okay? They do a combination of things. They run promotional programs that bring business to your state, which can help your restaurant out. But more importantly, they really go to bat with you against negative legislation that will affect your business in a negative way. You know, there's certain minimum wage laws that are trying to get passed all the time. And I have nothing against minimum wage going up. But one of the problems is, is, you know, these legislators, they don't understand that the service staff in restaurants, the servers and the bartenders are making anywhere from 20 to 50 bucks an hour with their tips. And they didn't take into effect the tip credit amount. So instead of, you know, allowing you to pay a server half the minimum wage or a bartender half the minimum wage, they wanted to pay the base rate to these servers and bartenders on top of the tips they made. And this would come up every couple of years. I was on the board of directors for my state association for two terms. This came up twice. And every time we rallied restaurants together that actually went to the state house, and we would stand up and we would speak to, we would show statistics and we would speak with a random cross-section of restaurants that would say, you know, my bartenders are making 50 bucks an hour. My servers are making 25 bucks an hour. It makes no sense to force us to pay them the minimum wage. So then, you know, we can't hire those minimum wage people we have to cut back on our hiring, all these things. And that's just one issue. And literally there are probably 10 or 20 issues that come up every single year, no matter what state you're in, that will negatively affect your restaurant simply because legislators can't possibly be well-educated on every single subject that gets passed or attempts to be passed by lawmakers. So one, I recommend you join your state association for the knowledge, for the resources, for the networking, for the way it can build your business, the way it can help your business when the answers seem, you know, overwhelming to you. One phone call often solves it. And two, the legislation and the power of the lobbying that they have in the state house and the weight that they have in order to, you know, not have these negative laws passed. And I've seen it time and time again. So it's just a huge, huge benefit. Again, a rising tide lifts all boats, and it really starts with your state association. Yeah, Roger, thanks. I, I knew you'd be able to shed some light on that with your, your past experience, so that's good. This one, this one's kind of fun uh, to talk about. Uh, Deborah from Michigan, um, I think this is a question that consumers think about and restaurant owners think about. She, she asks about the heavy pours, right, a heavy pour yeah. at the bar and whether, and whether they're good or bad. And, and she had some different thoughts on it. Let me kind of just run you through how she was thinking about okay. it, and then you yeah. can chime in. She goes, she goes, you know, first thought is, you know, patrons come, in, come here thinking, looking for the generosity of a heavy pour, and we'll lose them if we change that. Okay, fair enough. Second thought, um, if I get uh, drunk on one drink, you know, will I order another one or order less food or just bail out so that now maybe you're not making enough money on them, okay? Uh, third thought, do you, do you pour heavy for the first to snag them right now they're excited and then you lighten up or is that unethical? So there's a lot to think about there. And you, 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 you've done this. You've been in a restaurant uh, bar yeah, heavy business. Sure. How do you, how do you deal with this kind of thought process? Well, you know, it comes down to the simple word affinity. So your goal as a restaurant owner or a manager is to build the strongest affinity possible with your customer base. So what does affinity mean? Affinity is basically a sense of belonging where your place is their go-to choice place. You know. And you treat every customer like that cheers formula. People want to go where everybody knows their name, right? It all comes down to personal service, and that's what builds affinity. But, 
you might have a busy bar or a large bar in your operation, and customers are different. Some people really, really appreciate a strong drink, and other people don't. And I found that over time, it kind of averages it out. So a high level of personal service for your new customers, anyone you don't recognize, ask them, you know, do you like your, your drinks on the strong side, or do you like them just, you know, on, would you like a normal pour, or do you like it a little bit stronger? And they will tell you, and they will appreciate your asking. And that way, if someone doesn't appreciate a strong drink, then you're not giving them something that they're not going to enjoy. But someone who wants a stronger drink is going to get it, and they're going to look forward to getting that drink knowing that it's a stronger pour. So that's really where it starts. You know, I believe that generous pours are the way to go for your regulars that appreciate it, but always ask. And again, your your beverage cost is going to be balanced out over time. So your pour cost doesn't actually increase. It just pretty much stays the same depending on, you know, your percentage of people that appreciate a strong drink versus not. So beyond affinity, you know, you're really looking to build a core audience with your customers. So it goes so much far farther beyond just the drinks you serve. It's the service that you provide, you know, that's going to deliver that affinity. Again, treating every customer like they're the only customer or your most important customer. And there's so many ways to build affinity. I mean, I, got, I could speak for days on that subject alone. Yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 we'll get into some of that stuff in, an, in a future session and share that with folks because, yeah, really, you have a lot of tips to share on that. You know, while we're in this neighborhood, I think one, one question that I'd like to follow up with is the idea of a free drink or a comp drink because it's yeah. kind of similar mm-hmm. to a heavy pour. People are looking, hey, I just bought three drinks. Hey, how about this one on the house? How do you for deal sure. with that, and how do you kind of give tips to restaurants? And, and maybe there's even there's probably legal questions to answer. There are, yeah. What? You know, I can't speak for every state, but I do know that in Maine, uh, the state that I ran my restaurant, it was actually illegal to give free drinks to anyone. And we had a pretty aggressive liquor enforcement or inspection, um, you know, department in our state. And I had a high-volume, really, really busy bar. I mean, our bar sales were slightly larger than our food sales, and this was, you know, over a million-dollar operation. So you could see I was pouring lots of alcohol. So they know who the high-volume places are, and they seemed like they were camped out in our place. So it's like we really kind of stayed on the straight and narrow. It happens in restaurants. You know, your regular customers are sitting there. You might give them a free beer or a free drink, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do, but you should always check with your state laws and make sure that – you know, that it's not illegal to do so because the penalties can be quite severe. And the last thing you want to do, especially if you've got a couple of infractions, is to lose your liquor license because that can just about put you out of business. But it does happen. I do acknowledge that, uh, you know, customers ask for it. They look for it. But, you know, it's all in how you manage your operation. And you don't necessarily have to give them free drinks if you're giving them lots of value added in other ways. And we found plenty of ways to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to I want to wrap with a question, but I'm looking at it. And we kind of hit on this issue, but I want to make sure we we do address it. So Bill from San Francisco says, you know, we, we're having a really hard time finding qualified staff for the kitchen. We're in San Francisco uh, area, and we'd like to find the best uh, cooks, dishwashers, and busters. Um, it's an important question. We kind of talked earlier about A team, B team, C team uh, interview questions. Um, but what about the general process of of finding great staff for your restaurant. You touched on it, but probably got some more to tip in with. Yeah, uh, I touched on it. Besides the right questions in an interview and not hiring for experience over, you know, the personality, the approach, the desire to serve the public, which I believe was far more important. I mean, again, I had a seasonal place. 
And in the very beginning, 20-something years ago, I had staffing issues. You know, I was at a ski resort. It was not an inexpensive place to live. You know, the restaurant staff had a drive in the winter of about a half an hour for, you know, where they came, where, where, where the living was, was affordable, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the first season or two was a real struggle getting the right people. But once I got rid of the C's and focused on the B and the A players and built that dream team, my turnover went down to practically nothing. And even though I was only open four months a year, I would say 95% of my staff came back year after year after year. And when I did have an opening, I always filled it from a referral or a recommendation from an A player. Because, one, when you've got a dream team, they're really, really careful and really, really sort of proprietary about your hiring because they don't want the fit to be bad because they know it's going to mess up the chemistry for the rest of the restaurant. And all it takes is one person that isn't a good fit to disrupt that culture of hospitality, that culture of family that we're talking about. But if you've got an A player, chances are their character is really strong. They know exactly what is going to fit your restaurant versus what isn't going to fit. And I would always ask for the recommendations. And then once I had somebody in an interview situation that was a recommendation, I would have a couple key members of the staff, not managers, but servers, bartenders, even a host sit down and interview that person and get a feel for their character, their personality, their approach, whether they felt that, you know, they could work with the person, whether they liked them. First impressions matter. And that's how we did all of our hiring. And that's how our turnover went way down. And we literally had a 95% return rate every year. And I had staff working for me for 17, 18, 20 years that came back year after year, even though I was only open four months a year. And I think that process had everything to do with um, that success rate of low turnover. Wow. Roger, that, um, a couple things there. The, the, first of all, it's cool. I mean, the, the turnover numbers are great. The fact that people come back, I really like what you just touched on, this kind of 360-degree view of the person. It's not just one manager making a decision. Um, you can have the host or you can have anybody on the team chime in. Um, you also touched on them knowing who's going to be a caustic influence in, in, the, um, in the environment, and they, they, they can read that stuff probably faster than you sometimes, and, and they will give you, give you that advice because, like you said, they don't want to ruin an environment that's working good for them. And then the other thing that, that I think is important here, and you touched on it in the beginning talking about your story, and then maybe, maybe the same for where Bill is right now or other folks, they're, 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 they may be overloaded with C players right now going, oh, my gosh, how am I going get, to get over this? So I think just mentally you have to take a mentality of this is not going to happen overnight. I'm not going to have a killer dream team staff overnight, but I've got to slowly move the, the wheel, right? I've got to get there. I've got to get rid of this guy and bring in one, and then the B player refers the A, you know, and then it starts, starts a cycle that we talked about. So don't, you know, if you are in that situation as a restaurant operator where you're, you're having trouble getting staff and you're having trouble with the right people, don't think that it's going to solve itself overnight, but if you take the mentality that Roger outlined, and I think lots, lots of good tips there, know that it can build on itself and you can get there where you're, where you're killing it. So, um, we um, we did this. I, I think this was great. So I, I love getting the real-world questions and concerns. They were very deep. They were very detailed from our audience. We didn't get to everything, um, and I hope we can kind of maybe ask some more questions again and do this soon. I think it's helpful to look at these questions come in from different angles and actually countries and locations and different places. So it's, it's been very interesting. Uh, Roger, as you know, I love getting you rolling, man. When you get, when you get going, it's this great feeling. You've got this passion, this inspiration for the business. Um, for folks that kind of like the way you talk and your style, you talked about your programs, your coaching programs. Share a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, you know, like I said, I was in the business for 22 years. I started my first restaurant with no restaurant experience, and my key advantage was I had business skills that I applied to my restaurant. I created these really, really powerful systems that focused on financial controls, staff training, efficiencies, and marketing, and I created virtual programs that now are sold online from my website, restaurantrockstars.com, or, you know, through your links as well. And these systems literally take everything I've learned in 22 years, make it turnkey, make it easy to understand, easy to execute, and there you go. It's like I've worked for 22 years building these systems, doubling the, the net profit of the average full-serve restaurant. That's your bottom-line profit, folks. I mean, they say you're doing well in this business if you can ring 10 to 12 percent or 10 to 12 cents per dollar of sales uh, a net profit and I literally had a 31 percent bottom line net profit in my restaurant based on these systems and that's even harder to do in a seasonal restaurant because you can't make any mistakes you know they're seasonal businesses that are weather dependent they're economic dependent if you've got a year-round operation you can afford to make far more mistakes because you've got a steady business 12 months a year I only had a steady business four months a year when it wasn't raining because I was at a ski resort so I literally had to maximize the number of people that came through my restaurant. I did that through building those affinity systems, you know, treating every customer like they were the most important customer. And that all came down to training. And if, if restaurants train at all, usually it's on service, but it's rarely on salesmanship. And the two go together. You know, you need service and sales to have a successful restaurant. So I've got a program called Sales Stars that literally was my secret weapon for 20 years. It's what doubled my check averages in my restaurant, but more importantly, gave my guests what I call amazing dining experiences. And the next thing you know, my staff were having more fun. They were making more money. My customers were having more fun, and they were spending more money. You know, I call that capturing lightning in a bottle. It was a eureka moment where, wow, this works, and I don't need to spend money on advertising because now my customers are out there talking up my place, and that's what gave me the lines out the door. That's what kept my tables turning around over and over and over again and the cash register ringing. So every restaurant can utilize simple techniques that I make very simple in the sales stars training system that will literally double your check averages, create efficiencies, lower your turnover, but most importantly, give your guests these amazing dining experiences. We also talked about the book. Um, you know, uh, if you want, you can go to rockyourrestaurantbook.com. I sell this book for $6.95, and it will literally increase your profits by thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. Like, who wouldn't spend $6.95 to make thousands of dollars, right? And again, it's turnkey, simple spreadsheets. I teach you how to find the numbers, how to plug them in, what the critical numbers are, and literally in minutes a week, you can look at these numbers and know if you're making money or losing money. Whether you've got a busy restaurant or not, I can help you. And then lastly, the Restaurant Rockstars Academy is everything I've learned in 22 years about starting a first restaurant. If you've never done it before, it covers all the logistics, like anything you could possibly run into to start a restaurant. If you've never done it before, if you're a chef, like I said, um, who always wanted to uh, open his own place, here you go. If you're an existing operator that just is spinning wheels, wondering why you're not making enough money, I can teach you that. But it's everything we talked about today. It's the staff training. It's the financial control. It's the sales and the service and, you know, all those things and how they come together, the efficiencies and the internal marketing and all those things rolled into five modules, walk you through every single concept. It's all there, easily understood, easily executable. 
and these things are going to double your profit. It's it's that simple, and it's guaranteed. That's the best part. If you don't, if this stuff doesn't work for you, you know, there's a 60 day no questions asked money back guarantee. Here you go. So yeah, thanks for thanks for bringing that up, James. I mean, I'm passionate about this restaurant business. I've been at it a long time. I love helping other operators, and I can't stand when I go out to eat and I get a marginal experience because the staff isn't trained or the place is just upside down and they're out of control. They got slammed. It's like the unexpected happens. It's always around the next corner. But if you've got systems in place, that is so far less likely to happen, and it really is all about systems in this business. To run a profitable operation that turns your guests onto a great experience, you need systems. Yeah, man. Uh, listen, um, the last thing you touched on there is, is mar- the marginal experience, man. It's it's so it's more so much more common to get that, and it's such a pain in the ass when you're at a restaurant and you're spending your hard money and you're getting getting that experience. So, I mean, if you guys listen to Roger, I mean, I love talking with him and and, and pulling the stories out, and and we we've, we've pulled pulled a lot out of him today, and 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 some other sessions we get into marketing and all that other stuff. So. Um, his stuff is great. I mean, if you if you kind of just listen to him and, and it flows with you, I would check out his stuff. Highly recommend doing that. Roger, always a pleasure to have you, man. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Jim, I had a ton of fun, and I always love working with you because you're a professional. You understand this business, and your main goal is to help operators run better operations, give great service, keep a tight lid on their financial controls, and you've got a great bunch of resources at runningrestaurants.com and you know, I can totally recommend what you're doing, and that's why I just love the partnership and the collaboration that we have. And, you know, it's all about helping the operator just do a better job, run a tighter ship, and give their guests better experiences. And that's what builds brands. Thanks for having me. You got it, man. Listen, flattery will get you everywhere. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but listen, <laughs> hey, folks, uh, this has been Jamie Oikel from RunningRestaurants.com, along with Roger Bogwin from RestaurantRockstars.com. Thank you so much for listening. All the best for your restaurant business. Good luck to you out there. Rock your restaurant. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. And while you're there, download a copy of the book, Rock Your Restaurant. It's a game changer. See you next time.